we are hoping to show you just what is possible out there in our strange and wondrous world. One of the dogs started to howl. Almost immediately, all 400 dogs that were there started to howl along with it. We travel for business. We travel for pleasure. The conditions can change so quickly, and it became very challenging to maneuver that kayak. We travel to expand our minds. Of course, the most dangerous animal in Africa is the hippo. More people are killed by hippos than anything else. Whether it's one state over. I was looking for a longer treatment, like 90 days, six months, and my treatment plan was to go hike the Appalachian Trail. Or halfway around the globe this fantastic high desert. You watch the sky at night, so you just see the Milky Way and shooting stars. If the world's a book, why only read one page? I'm Elizabeth Hill, and you're listening to a WAMC Northeast Public Radio production. This is Postcards from the Road. Support for Postcards from the Road comes from CEFQ, serving banking, insurance, and investment needs with more than 30 branches across the greater capital region. Also offering assistance to local nonprofit organizations through CEFQ's community support program. CEFQ, changing lives every day. CEFQ.com. Iran is a country steeped in history, culture, and nature. In April 2018, 29-year-old Boston native Henry Zhu ventured to the Middle East for nine days to experience what the country has to offer. I asked Zhu why he wanted to go to Iran with the current political climate and most mass media outlets discouraging travel to the region. I really wanted to kind of travel to a new country that was culturally different than a lot of the other ones that I've been to. And I zoned in kind of on the Middle East Silk Road area, primarily because there's a lot of rich history in there in terms of ancient ruins, a lot of churches, mosques, and markets that really interested in me. And also, I personally just had a lot of uh, Persian friends growing up, and I wanted to kind of experience their culture from talking with them about it. I've heard a lot of great things about how the people of Iran are very welcoming, open, and that's just like another side of that culture that I wanted to experience in person as opposed to reading about it, whether it be in the media or in the news. And did you plan your trip or did you book with an agency? I booked with a travel agent. So the thing about traveling to Iran is that uh, as American citizens, along with Canadians and UK, these three nationalities, we cannot visit the country of Iran without subscribing to a professional guided tour. So that's essentially a prerequisite in order for them to even process your visa application. So I booked through a local tour operator that was that's based in Iran. I found them just through online searching and on TripAdvisor. And was it difficult to obtain the visa with a travel warning of four? The visa process wasn't difficult. It just took a little bit of time. I would say from the time that I submitted my application to the time that I got my visa. It took just about two months just because I had to submit a lot of paperwork and documentation to essentially the Iranian foreign ministry for them to process, along with a detailed day-to-day itinerary of my travel plans that the tour operator had provided. And based off of all of that, I would say on average about a month and a half is the, kind of like the standard time that the tour operators typically tell travelers. So Now, not only is this, it's a culturally different place, it's different in many other aspects as well, because local ATMs don't take foreign cards. 
How did you prepare yourself for being in country nine days? Correct. Yeah. So you are right that the ATMs in Iran do not take foreign cards. In fact, pretty much the whole entire country is cut off from the Western banking system. The only people that were using bank cards or credit cards were local Iranians with uh, the local um, cards themselves. So as foreigners, we basically had to exchange cash for their local currency, which is the which is the real. So at the time that I went back last April, their economy wasn't in the best of shape, so the currency fluctuated quite a bit actually. And it was during that week that I got there where the exchange rates fluctuated so much that the government basically shut down all the official exchange rates and did not really post an official exchange rate at all actually. So what that meant was it was essentially not legal to exchange money. So there was actually a lot of concern in that country, primarily for the locals there, as far as like figuring out how they were going to get foreign currency if they were to travel outside of Iran. And then vice versa for tourists who were visiting the country, there was no quote-unquote official way to exchange your money through like in a recognized channel. So obviously there's a huge black market out there for it. And the black market rates were often higher than the government rates. That's why it kind of causing all of this. As for me personally, my tour guide actually kind of anticipated all of this happening. So he actually had a lot of local currency that I ended up essentially trading my U.S. dollars to him for. Now, obviously, the rate that I got through him probably wasn't the best rate as if I were to just go out on the streets into the black market. But at the same time, traveling to a foreign country, especially in a country like Iran, where I'm not very familiar with the local customs and laws, there's that trade-off between me spending time trying to find a kind of black market foreign currency changer versus getting an exchange rate that was kind of close to the kind of market rate with my tour guide. So that's what I ultimately did. The government also bans social media platforms in country unless you have... Um, a VPN. Did you go dark for nine days while you were in country or were you able to speak to your family? Was WhatsApp banned? Before we continue, I would like to explain VPN. A VPN, or virtual private network, is a secure tunnel between two or more devices. VPNs are used to protect private web traffic from snooping, interference, and censorship. Yeah, so I brought my cell phone, I had a laptop with me, and I did have a VPN during that time there. So contrary to a lot of, I guess, people's beliefs, the country of Iran, especially the capital city of Tehran, is very, I would say, progressive in a sense, uh, relative to some of the other cities in Iran. Like, especially the younger generation, the millennials, they're constantly on their phone, on the internet, Many of them have VPNs as well because they constantly are using things such as WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram to kind of post images of their daily lives and sharing them with friends within the country and then also foreign friends abroad. Instagram for them is actually huge. Pretty much everywhere you go, if you chat up and start making friends with them, one of the first things they'll ask you is, oh, do you have an Instagram? Can we follow each other there? And it's actually so common that a lot of the people will often do business over Instagram is what uh, my local tour guide Ali said. And I found that to be pretty interesting, just kind of how accessible Western 
media or Western applications are to Iranians. So it's not as secluded or closed off as people might think. Iran is a country steeped in history, culture, nature. You've briefly talked about it. Where did you go in country and how did you travel from city to city? Let me take a step back a bit. I actually went on this tour by myself. I originally wanted to go with a good friend of mine, but due to work obligations, he was not able to join me. So I signed up on this trip. I essentially created a custom itinerary to go to the three cities that I wanted to see. And it was essentially just my tour guide and myself traveling together. Um, typically, when they do these tours, it's like a small group. But given that like there were no other groups or individuals who were traveling during the time frame that I wanted to go, it was basically like a private guide the entire time. So I flew into Tehran and stayed there for two days. And after that, took a luxury coach bus to the city of Isfahan, which is essentially kind of like the cultural capital of Iran. The luxury buses were indeed, I thought, very luxury. Think recliner chairs in a big motorized coach bus with air conditioning <laughs> and a restroom. So definitely not the same as a Greyhound bus as most of us here in the States would think about when traveling between cities. And after three days in Isfahan, I took another coach bus to the city of Shiraz, as far as travel time in between the cities, they were on average about four and a half to five hours. Uh, took a rest stop break in between, go to the restaurant, stretch out a little bit before finishing the journey. So my tour guide and myself traveled together all throughout. And part of the stipulations for Americans, Canadians, and Britons is that like the tour guide basically has to be with you the entire time. So there's that kind of extra layer of restrictiveness, whereas passport holders of other nationalities, they can come to Iran, get a visa on arrival, and kind of travel on their own. And what were your favorite parts? My favorite parts? So there were actually so many, I think. For me, the food there was amazing. I really liked all the different flavors, uh, the local dishes, and just the way they go about doing things. A lot of the bazaars and markets I found to be really exciting. There were so many shops there all the time selling spices, dried fruits, fresh vegetables, and bread. So I really just enjoyed kind of walking through the markets all the time, seeing all the different food there, and basically eating as much as I could. There were obviously markets in all three of the major cities that I went, so that itself was some kind of commonality. One of the great pictures that you sent was the Pink Mosque. Could you go into a little bit of detail about your travels there? The Pink Mosque, I believe the official name is the Nasser al-Mulk Mosque. It's a mosque in the city of Shiraz, which is known for the stained glass windows that it has uh, kind of into the main prayer hall. So for me, I knew that it was a big major attraction in the city of Shiraz. I basically got up super early and was one of the first few people into the mosque because as the morning sunlight shines, there's a stretch of maybe two to three hours in the morning where the light hits the stained glass windows perfectly that allows you to kind of see the interior prayer halls with all the colors ref reflected on the floor, on the carpet, and on the walls themselves. It was pretty touristy, I would say but at the same time, really unique just to kind of see all the different colors there at once. And that obviously was the inside of the mosque. Uh, there's also a whole courtyard outside as well with a uh, big reflecting pool that reflects the outside facade of the mosque as well. So that was pretty exciting. 
were you able to get into multiple mosques? Was it just specific mosques that you were able to go to? So pretty much all the mosques that I went to were open to the public and specifically to the foreigners as well. Obviously, all of the mosques there, they are active prayer places, so you have to be cognizant and respective of the local people there when it's praying time. There were a handful of mosques where I wouldn't say that I didn't go into, but I kind of paid a little bit more respect in that these mosques had like these big shrines um, embedded in them, essentially as like a like a mausoleum of a famous leader or someone in the past. And these were very kind of elaborate rooms within the mosque, a lot of stained glass and glass reflections and crystals in there that really kind of resonates a lot with the locals there. I was able to visit one or two of them, one of the bigger ones, but that I would say is kind of the only area where not 100% open to all of the foreigners at all times. But other than that, most of the attractions, especially the mosques, were very open to visitors. Are there things that you didn't get to see that you maybe heard about in-country and didn't have time to adjust your itinerary for? Would you go back? My visit was a pretty short nine days, and it covered a lot of the major sites. I, I went to the three major cities, hit up all the major attractions. I don't think there was anything specific that I didn't really get to see. I definitely wish I had a lot more time, and I am absolutely open to going back and visiting the country again, whether it be spending more time in the cities that I visited already or going to other cities and seeing different aspects of the country as well. So just a lot of culture and history there that I think I, I could definitely go back, just as like any, anyone would go back to a country that they've already visited before and just to see another aspect of it. And where to next? Any trips booked? I am trying to take it a little easy, actually. Um, as far as 2019, I actually don't have any international trips booked right now. I am looking to take a couple of domestic trips within the U.S. to visit some friends down in Phoenix, Arizona, and then California, the Bay Area as well. But uh, since my Iran trip last spring, I was able to take a couple other big international trips last year to places such as Switzerland, New Zealand, and Argentina. So constantly thinking about new places, new environments, and kind of getting that exposure to new cultures is really kind of what I'm aiming for when I travel and trying to connect with the local people as much as possible. Postcards from the Road is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. I'm your host and producer, Elizabeth Hill. Our theme music is Cherry Blossom Wonders by Kevin McLeod. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe on your audio app of choice. Visit WAMCpodcasts.org for more information. If you would like to share your travel story with WAMC, email us at postcards at WAMC.org.